Welcome to CBS LA Uncut, where there's so much more to the story. Hello, I'm CBS Los Angeles news anchor Pat Harvey, and each week we're taking a look at a story you've seen on the news to take a deeper dive. More interviews, more insight, and more information. We're excited that you're joining us for this episode, A Survivor Story. It was dark some of the time. There was a 12-year-old girl. Uh, they gave us her name. She had a, I believe it was a broken arm, completely emaciated. She, she looked like a concentration camp survivor. He's told me that he got stabbed like 60 times in jail for what he'd done. I already gave up, like nine and 10 years locked up in the closet. Somebody beat me with a baseball bat. I'm like, I'm gonna give up. I have people tell me, oh, you're not gonna be good for mom. That was Rose Gift, survivor of one of California's most notorious child abuse cases. She was rescued in 1990 after spending most of her childhood locked up in a closet, beaten with baseball bats and burned with hot irons. Rose has come a long way since her rescue. There's love in her life now <laughs> and joy. This is Rose's story. A disturbing discovery in an Inland Empire home. The long-term impact of extreme child abuse has been on our minds lately. Deputies say a girl made a desperate call to 911. Ever since the discovery January 14th of the 13 Turpin siblings allegedly starved and held captive by their parents in their home in Paris, California. David and Louise Turpin faced charges of abuse and torture that could land them in prison for the rest of their lives. People of the state of California versus David Allen. In their first court appearance, the couple didn't wear orange jumpsuits. They showed up in business suits. But both of them were in handcuffs, chained at the waist with shackles on their ankles. Request to enter not guilty, please. Meanwhile, their children, seven of them, now adults, are adjusting to independence. Last week, several YouTube videos surfaced. They've been posted by the 17-year-old daughter who ultimately escaped and led police to her siblings. The attractive teen is seen wearing red lipstick in her videos, and she sings a series of songs she wrote herself. It could be a while before any of the Turpin siblings are ready to speak publicly about all that they've been through. But we recently caught up with a San Diego woman rescued from a closet in 1990, where her parents starved, tortured, and held her captive for most of the first 12 years of her life. When you first get let out, it's a whole new world. At the time she was rescued, police called her Angel. Her story made headlines and the evening news all over the country. We begin with an excerpt from 2008, a story in our archives by CBS2 news anchor Paul Majors. A horrifying story this morning of alleged child abuse. October 22nd, 1990. Police arrive at a San Bernardino house and make a shocking discovery. Police say the child's parents kept her imprisoned in closets most of her life. For 12 years, she lived through extreme abuse. If there is a God and you hear my prayers, please help me. By the time this story aired, the little girl once called Angel had become known as Rose Valencia. Rose, the name she was born with. Valencia is the last name of the foster family with whom she lived. I think my first Christmas party. You had a lot of firsts in your life, didn't you? Mm -hmm. For his report, Paul met not only with Rose, but also the persistent police officer who became so much more. This is the house. Tell me about it. The call that we had that night was not 
extraordinary by any means. Sergeant Steve Bilson says he and his partner came here on a child welfare check. And he says, at first, were put off by Rose's father. But Filson insisted they check things out. And once inside, they found a suspicious closet. A nail pounded into the frame and bent over to prevent it from being opened. And um, he went over, moved the nail, opened it up, and uh, there was our little girl. That welfare check happened because Rose's aunt Mary and a cousin had been at the house just a few days earlier. What happened was they were cleaning up the house and my parents had been gone, and they were looking for a broom and dustpan. And that's when they came upon me inside the closet. It was a cousin of mine. And she's like, <gasps> so she closed it. Mom. And she goes, what? Who's that girl in the closet? What girl? Rose is one of seven siblings. Now, police believe she was the only one singled out for torture and hidden away. Her extended family had asked about her over the years, but Rose says her parents lied, that they repeatedly claimed she was away at camp. So when her cousin opened the closet door and said, Mom, who's the girl? Her aunt put two and two together. Oh my goodness, could it be? Well, the only girl that I could think of is Rose, but they said she was away at camp. I don't know how, how long after that they called the cops. Rose explained that by the time she was rescued, she was hanging by a thread. Here's another excerpt from her 2008 interview with Paul Majors. One day I really got a really, really bad beating from my dad. And I was like, you know what, I, I, I'm tired. I was like, I can't, I can't do this no more. And I can remember, I was like, you know what? I, I can remember um, there was bouts and stuff. I was like, you know what, I just want to end my life right now. Sergeant Filson told us the closet in which he found Rose was filthy, dark, and swarming with cockroaches. Deplorable, uh, the condition that she was in. A 12-year-old that's four foot six and weighs 49 pounds, come on and uh, skin and bones, obviously had been traumatized, you know, physically. I just remember running out. And the first thing she did was look for her parents. I was just scared. I just ran straight to my mom or my dad. I couldn't remember who I ran to, but I ran to one of them. Just a few weeks ago, our producer Jerry Constant caught up with Rose again to see how she's doing today. Jerry wanted to know why, why them? Why did Rose run straight to her parents? That happens a lot. It does because our brain is so used to that environment. So, of course, that's what we're going to do first. So you're yeah. Run to your parents. We're into our parents, you know. Rose's parents were arrested. She and her siblings were taken to the hospital. There, police and social workers began their investigation. Initially, it was very hard to you know, say what I went through um, and tell them how I felt and stuff like that. But as she started to feel safer, Rose began to open up and reveal the unimaginable abuse she had experienced. I've gotten burned with irons on my foot and on my knee. I was 
throwing down the steps, kicked, um, slammed against the door. I was tied up in the closet by my arms and my feet, hit laying down with the baseball bat. Once doctors stabilized Rose, she was placed in a group home while social workers searched for a foster family. At first... It's like, okay, I like this. I like this freedom. But there's a lot of things I have to learn. You imagine, like, oh, you were in isolation. You were mm -hmm. in like, captivity, in a way. The minute that the door opens, your life becomes beautiful and easy. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like that's not really how it is. It's complicated. It, it was complicated because of all the stuff I was already, I was going through. They're trying to find a home for me to place me in. Um, I was having so much problems. It was hard for me to trust people. When they called us for dinner, I wasn't used to sitting at a table. Um, with other kids, you know, I, um, everything was always brought to me in the closet. So it's just the simple act of sitting at a table and eating. Of course, I would freak out and have my fits here and there. Rose says mealtime was such a huge adjustment because until her rescue, she was almost always hungry. I went days without eating, maybe a week or two. Your brain is always wondering like, where am I going to get my next meal? So in that group home, Rose got in some trouble for hiding food under her bed. Even though there was plenty served during meals. It seemed like I had to go and sneak food because that's how it was for me when I lived in the closet. Rose's parents, Joseph and Sandra Saucedo, ultimately pled guilty to child endangerment, resulting in great bodily injury. So your parents didn't do so much time, right? My dad was supposed to have 10 years. My mom was supposed to have nine years. Uh, for good behavior, they both got five. Just five years in prison. For the 10 years, they tortured Rose. And once they were released, both reached out to Rose. Her dad. He's told me that he got stabbed like 60 times in jail for, you know, what he'd done and stuff like that. He's like, I'm surprised I even made it. Her mom initially apologized, then. I bring up something. Oh, it never happened, Mihan. We made a hit you here and there, but it, all that you think you went through never happened. Rose's yearning for a relationship with her parents despite their abuse is pretty much human nature. As you start on your own, you wanna, still, I still feel that way. Uh, you wanna feel loved. Though Rose's parents have yet to take responsibility for what they did. I forgave my mom and dad a long time ago because that's what I needed to do. A lot of people like, how can you do that? I was like, it's just something I had to do to let go. Let go of all the pain I had. Because even though I was living in a foster home, I was going, I still had a lot of pain in me. The beatings, isolation, and hunger Rose endured have left scars inside and out, and sometimes impacts her ability to communicate. She knows what she wants to say, but she can't always organize her thoughts so she can be easily understood. I have people tell me, oh, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna be good for a mom but Rose's determination has turned out to be more powerful than her challenges. Somebody told you you're not going to succeed in life? Think the opposite. Daddy, give mommy Barbie back.
So I look at Rose, I'm like, wow, you, you're a strong woman. Rose is a family of her own now. 14 years ago, while working as a grocery store bagger, she caught the eye of a coworker named Michael Gift. There was like a light, something different about her. I, I couldn't, I can't explain it. In 2012, Rose became his wife. She's more than I ever imagined. More than I, I, I'm still in awe. Actually teaches me how to be a man. Michael says the only time he really thinks about her past is in the middle of the night. On those rare occasions, Rose starts screaming in her sleep. Get off of me. Don't touch me. And I'd have to, Rose, you're in a safe place. It's me. It's, 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 it's Michael. It's your husband. In 2016, Rose and Michael became parents to Rosabella. How old are you, Bella? What's, what's in here, baby? As they began the journey of raising their own daughter, Michael had a talk with Rose's dad. You talked to her dad. Talked to her dad, and what'd you say to him? I tell him I don't, I didn't really respect him as a man. Because as a man, you're supposed to be there for your, for your children. You're supposed to protect your children, and. For you not to do that, I'll never respect them, never, as a man. But at Rose's request, Michael has forgiven. <laughs> the focus now on each other and Rosabella. Mom plays with you a lot, huh? It tickles you, huh? <laughs> yeah. What kind of a mom is Rose? Rose is an amazing mom. And I told her, I said, um, you're basically what you lost from your years, from like from three to 12, from what you can remember, things come in and out, you get to see it every day with our daughter. So you're actually reliving your childhood through her, which is like, that's priceless. Play? Play? No, not right now, okay? We'll play in a little bit. <laughs> One thing you hear is that when a child has been through a lot of abuse, so those are the people you always worry about, will they abuse, right? And yeah. And so how do you, like, like when this was the role model that you had, how do you, like, flip the script as a mother? Just, even though I'm, I'm a mom, you want to remember, okay, rotate it. You know, just think positive. You know, okay, yes, I didn't have that growing up. I want the best for her. I want to make sure she has every, and I tell her, Bella, I want you to have the best, what mommy didn't have. Rose doesn't dwell on the pain of her past, but feels it's important to keep sharing her story. Not everyone approves. Your family, your, your siblings, they haven't been so happy about you sharing your story. No. Um, they they're, have not always been there for me. Me getting the story out, it's not, it wasn't about them. It's about what I went through what I have achieved, and I told them, it's mostly what, what I have achieved in life and what I'm still going through. This is who I am, that's what I'm gonna do. Rose tells other survivors there are two keys to finding joy after abuse. It's forgiveness, giving back to other people. And Rose is no longer in contact with her dad. She speaks to her mother only occasionally. As for Officer Steve Filson, the one who freed her. Oh, I love him with all my heart. She's also close to her Aunt Mary, whose call to the cops led to her rescue. As for the Turpin siblings. It's going to be a struggle, a big struggle. Rose wants them to know she's open to contact if they need any help 
navigating their new independence. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> Just always look forward. You're such a good boy. Think positive. That's it. I have producer Jerry Constant here with me right now. Now, Jerry, how did you track down Rose? You know, Pat, it wasn't me. When the Turpin story broke and we had an editorial meeting trying to figure out how we're going to cover the story, the first question we wanted to know is, has this ever happened before? Has anyone ever survived this? And um, it was Elaine Ledesma, our planning editor, who had been at the station a very long time, has been at the station, who remembered Rose and remembered a story from 1990. And she eventually somehow tracked Rose down um, was communicating with her on Facebook and, and gently encouraged her to come come forward again, and, and uh, she fortunately agreed to do it. Oh, that's that's terrific how that came about. Now, she said in her interview that the, uh, the Turpin siblings were going to have a lot to deal with now, of course, and in the years, of, years ahead. What are some of the things that, that Rose is still struggling with? Um, you know, Rose, uh, she has stunted brain development mm -hmm. and part of that is because she was starved when a child has malnutrition their brains don't develop the way it would normally and also she didn't go to school for 12 years um, and I think the Turpin siblings may have been you know had some of that same stuff going on and you know the way it manifests itself now is you know she she has trouble communicating all that she knows all mm. that she feels um, you know reading and writing is still a struggle for her and um, so, you know, and that ultimately, it impacts her ability to make a living. You know, she's sure. getting by, but she's, you know, I think maybe on disability. Okay. And I don't think she would want to be there. So on an intelligence functioning level, there is that setback. But, but what about trust? Trust? You know, one thing I just want to say about intelligence. The intelligence is there. It's her ability to communicate it to the world, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And in terms of trust, um, yeah, she, uh, she, you know, she had trouble trusting us at first. I'm sure. I we, think that's a normal reaction considering everything she's been through. Yeah, she didn't want to give us her cell phone number initially. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it takes a minute for her to, to, to open up to people for sure. Oh, well, I'm so glad that she did with you. I mean, to, to our, yes. Yeah, it was our team. For us, yeah, yes, yeah, and everybody that's listening to this podcast. Yeah. What, what kind of relationship? if any, does she have with her family? Her relationship with her family is almost non-existent. Mm. Um, her, her siblings, she has um, six of them, um, and she's in the middle. Um, I, what she tells me is that they've sort of, they resent her for telling the story. Uh, they want to keep it quiet, huh? Yeah, they, they feel like it's maybe uh, bringing down the family name, mm -hmm. she says. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and, and her parents, you know, her, her father, she has nothing to do with anymore. And uh, so, yeah, it's strained. Why do you think she wanted to tell her story, Jerry? I think because she wants other abuse survivors to know uh. that you can get through this. So she wants to help people. She does. She really wants to help other. That, that's really important to her. But you know her husband, listening to that interview with him, Michael Gift, I think that's his name, he sounds like a gift, really. He what, is. What, what, what impression? Okay, so you obviously had a great oh impression of him. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's an angel. Um, <laughs> the sweetest, most lovely man. 
And what I loved so much about him is how he appreciates every little thing about Rose. Aww. You know, he, he, he beams when he talks about her. And he told me things like, you know, can you believe it? When I wake up in the morning to go to work, I wake up early and the coffee maker's already turned on. <laughs> He's so happy with Rose because she got up and turned the coffee maker on. It's the little things. It's the little things. And he said that she wakes up every day with a smile on her face, and that makes him smile. Aww. So he's, he's just lovely. Well, he does sound like an angel. Oh, There's no is. question about yeah. that. And, and, and how wonderful for her. Now, now, let me ask you this. Is she still in any kind of therapy? Was she ever in therapy? She was. She said she got a lot of therapy. Um, Right now, her therapy is artwork. She's, this is something she's been doing for several years, um, and I think this is something she learned through a therapist, was to take all the emotions and all the, the negativity that was swimming around in her head and put it on a canvas. Mm. And to this day, that's something that she does, and she does it now with her daughter. Aww. And she has like these little Facebook fundraisers. Um, her most recent one, she was trying to raise $200 for art supplies to um, you know, make her artwork, and, mm -hmm. and she gives it away, or she gives it to organizations that can use it for fundraising. And um, so that's what she does. She's also still very close with the social worker who initially um, you know, participated in her rescue when she was 12 years old. Oh, that's, to, you know, that's terrific. And she's still close with um, you know, uh, then-officer or Sergeant Steve Felson, Filson, who's still really um, He's know, still involved in her life. He is. Oh. He, he's, uh, yeah. well, you know what? She's surrounded by angels, it she sounds is. like. She is. And not only them, um, her husband's family, they're wonderful. Ah. Um, she's close to them. And, um, you know, so, yeah, she is surrounded by angels, mm. and, and deservedly so. She's wonderful to be around. No question. Now, what about her, her daughter? Um, she sounds like she's so involved. I love hearing her little, little girl laugh, Rosabella. Rosabella. Does she have anyone helping her with, with her daughter? I think her husband's family is an enormous help with their mm. daughter. Um, her Aunt Mary and Uncle Richard come around sometimes. Oh, um, that's great. So yeah. she does have family, too. She does, and she's really active in her church, and I believe that the church family is mm. helpful. And I think she may get some sort of respite care. I mean, Rosabella is a bright, spirited, energetic um, toddler <laughs> just coming out of her terrible twos, um, you, you know, and... Uh, but, you know, Rose has the energy for it, that's for sure. And, and you know, I, she, she just, you can see her eyes sparkle when she looks at her daughter, and it's, uh, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Everything that she's been through and something unimaginable, this story is not just I grew up without having parents or a family or enough food to eat. This is just one of the most horrific stories that one could possibly imagine yet. Is Rose bitter? Remarkably, not that I could see. Wow. She still, she sees the best in everyone, and she roots for everyone. Um, and so I don't know how she does it. I really don't. Um, the people, when the people who you should trust betray you in the way that she was betrayed, mm -hmm. and you still are, um, you see a story on the news about somebody winning the lottery and you're happy for them, which Rose is. Mm -hmm. She's genuinely happy for other people's success and other people's happiness. And uh, she really wants her daughter to have all these things she didn't have, no hint of bitter bitterness there. You know, you had um, mentioned earlier about, obviously, we want her story to be told, and she wants it to be told so she can help others. And as horrific as this is, and you think it couldn't possibly happen again, there still are a lot of roses out there, aren't there, in similar ways. Maybe yeah. not being kept in a closet, but at the same time being really mistreated. 
There are, and I think, um, you know, we, we don't know who they are. <laughs> you know, mm. we might be sitting next to them at a restaurant. And I think what Rose needs is understanding mm. and patience. And if she doesn't say quite the right thing, or she might be a little hard to understand sometimes, what she needs is the patience to listen to her. And I think that's what she wants for other people in her shoes. She, she wants kindness, you know. You know, there's a saying, Jerry, um, stop and smell the roses. Maybe we should stop and see the roses and actually ask them how they're doing because they're out there. Just by a simple hello to somebody you don't even know may open up a world. I know it means the world to her. Uh, and um, I think um, embracing them, encouraging them. Mm. I think um, people like Rose, who have been through so, so much, need every ounce of encouragement they can get. Rose needs to hear from anyone around that she's doing a great job as a mom, that she's doing a great job encouraging you know, other survivors to come forward, and that she's doing a great job coping with all that she's been through. And what a perfect example to show people that she wants to share her story and to possibly help others. So I'm hoping if they're listening to this podcast, if you are another rose out there, just know um, that there's water for you to grow and to blossom. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. To see Rose through the years and her family, go to cbsla.com. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back next week with a new episode of CBS LA Uncut, the stories behind the stories you see on CBS2 and KCAL 9 News. Don't forget to subscribe and, hey, tell your friends. Tell your friends.